You're listening to the Counting Lights Podcast with Chris Dimity and Dan Danzy. Counting Lights Podcast, where comedy and wrestling lock up. Hey everybody, Dan here. Just before we get underway with this episode, we have a correction to make. Uh, I'll be attending AEW Dynamite uh, this Wednesday at the Curtis Caldwell Center. Uh, we had this idea of bringing the sign, uh, bringing a sign with the Counting Lights podcast logo, having a little contest, and you're going to hear that in this episode. But right now, uh, I'm just making a correction. We will not be having that contest. Um, found out the Curtis Caldwell Center has a uh, uh, restriction on all signs. So there won't be any signs allowed into the venue. AEW doesn't care, but the Curtis Caldwell Center over in Garland, Texas, does care and does have that restriction. Uh, also, another correction, the Curtis Caldwell Center holds 5,594. I think you hear some different number uh, in this recording. Uh, it's either in part one or part two. But other than that, uh, thanks for listening and enjoy this new episode of the Counting Lights Podcast. And we're back with the Counting Lights podcast, everybody. Bam! Sorry for the, for sorry for another week break. Well, this well, is this yeah. is gonna stop Listen, happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you guys gotta hang in with us because, uh, you know, summertime's going on, and uh, I got stuff going on with the family, and the, uh, uh, oh Dan here's uh, moving locations. Moving, so, moving. Uh, please bear with us. We're hiring. Uh, we're hiring movers today. And we're getting, it's it's becoming real, you know? Getting it done, man. I mean, Chris showed up today, and I'm putting a box in Dan, the car. Dan was moving one box. You didn't see the plethora <laughs> of boxes I had to move earlier this week, thank you. And it's all just big-ass heavy books right now. We haven't even touched DVDs. We haven't even touched clothes. Well, it's cool that you can do <sighs> a little bit at a time. So the house is all ready. Yeah, yeah, the house is ready, and this is the this is the this is the first time I've actually had to like move on my terms. <laughs> Not like, hey, Dan. Somebody was like, hey, you got to get the yeah, out. yeah. Because that's how I mean. In the previous times I've moved, that's how I've lost most of my shit. Because it's like, oh, I got to be out. I got to be out by tomorrow. You're like, oh fuck, I'll leave it. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't need this. Yeah, you you get in that panic where you're like stuffing all the clothes and trash bags. <laughs> I uh, there's one time. I hope I hope Misty's still in the shower. Yes, I left. I had like a, my a mattress, a whole king size mattress that I just left with my ex. It's, it's funny because uh, you say that uh, there was a point when I was uh, living with my radio crew in Florida. Yeah, and I was moving in with Bridget, and. Uh, and uh, I did the exact same thing. I was like, uh, "Yeah, keep the fucking mattress." I was like, "Keep the fucking mattress." <laughs> it wasn't so much one. I I had no way. I actually have, it was a full bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like, this was. It, I don't need it. It was. It was a thing where it's just like I have nowhere to put the mattress. Two, I really don't want to talk to her again. You know, <laughs> one of those. I don't want to be in that apartment again. I have been there. Yeah, because the last encounter we had was so bad. Because her daughter. Was like really liked me and stuff because we'd watch Batman cartoons together, and I would explain to her Batman. It was like the closest thing I ever had oh. to like a, like a like a like a child, 
And I was pretty good at it, you know? That's why if I ever got Misty pregnant, I wouldn't worry about it, because I'd be like, I'd be a great dad. But, like, the last time I was in that apartment, the kid knew that it was over. Yeah. And the kid's just crying. I'm like, this is the most heartbreaking fucking thing. Like, I hate the mom. I got to go keep the bed. I got to go keep the bed, you know? I think there was, like, one time I tried to get the bed back, and she had a violent response, and I was like, you know what? It's yours. Not that big a deal. You got a bad back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, let's see. Since uh, we uh, w- since we podcasted last, well, we did we did the comedy arena, and then uh, the following Thursday we did uh, your show, your birthday show, Dan Danzig and Friends, which was I was really happy with. It was a great friggin' show. Fucking Chris Germany here, a killer amongst killers. Please don't. No, yeah, take that with a grain of salt. No, Chris had to follow probably the one, the two best. God, no, you followed like three, three fucking murderers, three killers, and then you fucking murdered. And I was so proud, dude. I was really, I was really happy with the set. Um, uh, Diego did some photography for mm-hmm. me, and uh, you look confident in those video, pictures. Videotaped uh, uh, the set, and so now I've got a, a good set I can send out to some. Uh, some uh, some bookers, potential, yeah, yeah, potential bookers, and with so. that improv in the background, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like they're they're gonna watch the video, man. So uh, and and I think that comedy arena weekend gave you so much confidence. It really, uh, you know, doing two nights like that back to back, like I don't get to do that very often. Usually, uh, all my shows are one ups, mm-hmm. and so uh, to be able to. Uh, you know, get that back-to-back, those back-to-back nights and uh, kind of hone my set, play with some new stuff mm-hmm. and, and be able to, uh, but I picked out, I picked out my real A material for that, uh, or technically 10 minutes, mm-hmm. I, I ran the light a little bit, <laughs> but. Uh, you ran the light a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did too, but you're the headliner, man. You did a great job, man. It was yeah. really a, a really killer night. Everybody killed and uh, real, real happy with it. The, uh. Um, Jay and Billy, the guys over at the Improv, really yeah. uh, were appreciative for, uh, of it. Big and, thanks to and them. Then, uh, and then uh, the following Saturday night, I, I went up and did security for him for uh, Jeff Ross. Jeff Ross. How was Jeff Ross? What a goddamn good dude. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, man, I met Jeff Ross at the Houston Laugh Stop back, back in the day. Uh, and he was a nice guy. And, uh, you know, you hear they're nice. And then, and then, you know, years later, you hear someone's an asshole or something. And it's good to know that he's still Tell you what, what a it, cool down dude. Down-to-earth guy. In fact, uh, uh, got to meet him before the show. Mm-hmm. Let him know. I was like, hey, man, listen, uh, they just got me here. I'm, I'm here to make sure there's no trouble. Yeah. And he looked at me and laughed, and he goes, well, I'm here to make sure there's trouble. Yeah. Did he, uh, did he roast you oh, at all? Oh, gosh. Did he have any jokes oh, for my, you? Not, not myself. Thank no? God. I mean, I'm a wealth of material. But he, after each show, he brought up about, uh, let's say, six to eight people in the crowd that volunteered to be roasted. And he brought them, listen, brought them all on stage at the same time. Not individually. Now, individually, I can see, like, being able to pick little things out that you could do Mm -hmm. individually for people. For people, but to have everybody on stage at one time, of course, everybody's nervous or 
maybe a little drunk or I mean, getting excited to be up there on stage yeah. at the improv uh, with Jeff Ross. Well, you know how that that's how hypnotists have you ever seen like a comedy hypnotist uh, show? Not in a long time. Okay, well, that's how time. hypnotists do it. Hypnotists use people's fear of being up there. So people aren't following the hypnotist because they're hypnotized. They're following because they're just kind of like kind of afraid like, of being up there and they yeah. have to go along with right, it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, so, um, and I could see what he was doing when he pulled individuals out to roast them. Not only was he roasting that person at the same time, but he was looking at the other people's people in that crowd. He was like... I don't know how he does it, mm. but he is thinking of other jokes for other people while he's roasting that yeah. individual. And I just like, I, you know, for my mind does not work that quick. Well, I'm sure he had to, I'm sure he had to, uh, of course he's program himself. 30, 30, 35 years of, I'm of sure he had like it. 10 jokes on you by just meeting sure. you and seeing you. And, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's incredible to see him do that. Now, second show, we did have, a guy that got up there that was a little drunk, Uh-oh. a little handsy, and handsy with Jeff or just handsy? Yeah, handsy with, with everybody. Everybody. You know, he was uh, he was nervous, and uh, apparently a big Jeff Ross fan. And uh, so, at one point in the in the uh, in the in his set, uh, the guy before he did the roast, the guy kept raising his hand like he was trying to get Jeff's attention. Yeah, yeah. Finally, somebody had to go over there and go, hey, man, put your hands down like it's distracting to other people. Mm-hmm. So, And it's not fucking school. Yeah. You know? And uh, so when he got up there, he was a little... Uh, he pulled his phone out and started taking selfies while he was on the stage. And Jeff grabbed his phone and it grabbed his phone and said, uh, all right, this is your first warning. Okay. Like, Jeez. you're either going to be in the moment or you're going to go sit down. Well, that dude was in the moment then. And, uh, and, and he continued to kind of be an ass up there. Mm-hmm. So I, you, know, you know where the pillar is that mm-hmm. we walked past the pillar? So I posted myself right at that pillar wow. to make sure that there was no, not going to be any problems. I was ready to jerk him off the stage if we needed to, but... But but listen, I'm glad hey, you got through that sentence he's, quickly. He's, you were ready to jerk him off, huh? <laughs> jerk him off that <laughs> stage. <laughs> well, whatever. That would have shut him up. <laughs> whatever you got to do, you know. <laughs> he would have been on his best so, behavior if you right. just whipped it out and started yeah, jerking him. Don't don't make me jerk you <laughs> off. This is the best comedy club ever. <laughs> they give you a hand job. Uh, he was, listen, and and then afterwards, uh, Jeff Ross took pictures with everybody that wanted pictures, except that guy. No, that guy was there. That yeah, guy, he too? straightened his shit up. Wow! And, and like, okay, we—I had to walk him out and say, "Hey, man, you got to go," you know. And uh, but it was listen, everything went real well. And then uh, afterwards, I was like, "Hey, Jeff, uh, you mind if I t- take a quick picture with you?" And he's like, "No, man, come." He literally looked at me and said, "Man, I want to appreciate everything you've done for me tonight. Thank you for keeping an eye on me. Thanks for keeping everybody safe." And and. Uh, and he took some funny pictures with you. I saw, yeah, and, I saw that. Then, I couldn't comment or like them. And then listen to this. Afterwards, his, uh, uh, his feature who he brought with him from L.A. Uh, came up and said, hey, we, uh, I got the McGregor fight on. I paused it. 
do you guys want to come watch the McGregor fight? So we all know what happened to the McGregor fight, right? Y'all press play five seconds so, later. Yeah. <laughs> well, so that was that. Here's what was really cool. So he's like, uh, let's sit down and wa- you know watch the McGregor fight. Jeff's like, well, they're cleaning up out here. Let's go back to the green room. Turned to me and said, Chris, you want to come to the green room and watch dope. a fight? That was really Chris, fucking cool. It was really nice cool. to like, uh, you know. And so, you just sit, you're just sitting with Jeff so, Ross watching so the we UFC go in, So we go and we sit down. Well, they there's you know the green room at yeah. the improv. There's only three seats. Only three. And so everybody, like the uh, opener and the feature were, and Jeff were sitting down. So I just kind of posted myself in the door so I could see the fight. Yeah. You know, watching it from the doorway. You yeah. Know? And at one point, Jeff was like, hey, man, come on in here and sit. Like, you don't have to be, like, you don't have to be shy. Come sit down. Yeah. I asked you to come sit in the green room and watch the fight. I was like, man, it's okay. He was just real fucking nice, man. Yeah. He was like, dope, when man. you when you meet people that are that successful in the comedy business, that are doing that well for themselves, and that are, you know, let's just use the word, he's fucking famous. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know? he's the roast master general. Yeah. yeah. So to meet guys like that that are so down to earth that they realize, dude. I put my pants on just like you do, one leg mm-hmm. at a time. You know, it's just it's nice to meet people that are not that don't hate their fans. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, and and for you new listeners, you can go to the Counting Lights Twitter right now because I I actually did something on Twitter today. I shared your match with Shawn Michaels because I don't think we've ever okay. actually shared that on yeah. Twitter. But this is coming from a man who has shared the ring with Shawn Michaels, stood next to Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. And he's freaking out over Jeff Ross. Well, it's just, it's great. That's awesome. Listen, it's been great to, uh, you know, it, it was hard enough for me to leave the wrestling business behind. It's really, people don't understand how difficult it is because it really does get in your blood. Yeah, not and, to get in that ring. Right, and right. To not have the ability anymore to perform at, and that's why you see all these older wrestlers still, you know, still wrestling when they really probably should have let it go a long time ago. Because Except Sting. All right. So, <laughs> I'll let you have that one. Because, look, and I brought this up to Misty the other day, because they did a segment with Sting where he came out and he beat somebody up so Darby could have a fair fight, whatever. But, like, when I see Sting go out there, I don't see a 62-year-old man. I see Sting. And I think he's, and it's the same thing with Ric Flair, when Ric Flair was still wrestling. Yeah. You don't see an old man. No. You just see the person. Not you know? somebody that can perform, like, at now that when level. You, yeah, at that level. Mm-hmm. Like, when, like, I agree with you, like, the... Even up to the retirement match with Shawn Michaels and mm-hmm. Ric Flair, um, I mean, Flair was still holding his own, man. Yeah. I mean, he could literally probably have still done a 45-minute well, Broadway or and, an hour Broadway. And, and he kind of did in TNA. Like, when he was in TNA and he wrestled Jay Lethal, and I think he had a tag team match with somebody against Hogan, that's when it was like, oh, okay, yeah, Rick. Slowing down a little bit. Rick, you need to hang it up. Well, you know, guys like that slow down, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and Flair pushed it to the – you know, I mean, he went as far he went as far as he could. Yeah, he went as far as he really could, and and it's hard to let it go. It's hard to let go, especially somebody that's like I didn't have that type of huge, but that huge fame that mm-hmm. he did. But it's still hard to like. I've come to, um, I've come to some sort of a um, 
understanding and of acceptance. myself, acceptance of myself yeah. that um, that it's okay. I, you know, people get older and your body breaks down. You can't do that. You can't move as fast as you did. And reflexes aren't what they used to be. And, yeah. and and you come to that conclusion. But to see somebody like Ross, Jeff Ross that it's been in comedy for so long and myself being in it for, you know, three years and, and, um, you know, wanting that it, it to, to watch what he was doing on stage, not only, and you know, you, you think of, of Jeff Ross as a, a roast comedian, but he's actually, but he's a material. fucking great, his material is fucking his great, great yeah. and very fucking smart. Yeah. And I saw the first, his first sets last Saturday night and I thought, you know, this shit is coming. It just seems like it's just coming off the top of his head. Mm-hmm. And then you see the second set and you're like, holy fuck. He really, this is what I thought was amazing. He, he really has a full set. I mean, an hour set of just stand-up. Here's what I thought was incredible. So they put, you know, uh, at the improv they have timers and we get to see timers while we're on stage. And they don't just give you a light at two minutes or whatever, mm-hmm. which is the way most comedy clubs are. But at the improv they have actually have a timer so you can know how long you've been going. And they set his timer at 50 minutes, never turned it around. <laughs> and you know he told them, don't turn it around. Yeah, yeah. And he hit that fucking mark both fucking sets. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like he knows exactly how long his set is without even fucking looking at a timer. Mm. So that's, that, that, to me, as a you know guy who's not done that long of sets, you know, 10, 15 minute sets. But see, I go 50 minutes and not even look at the timer. And then on top of that, turn the lights up and do 15 or 20 minutes of roasting people that he's never met before. Uh, To me, it was very impressive. And it, it, it makes you know how much work you have to do. I mean, I have to get in a rhythm throughout the weekend whether it's an opening or featuring set to really just get off stage on sure. time so it's usually like it takes the third show of the weekend where I'm like okay that's this minute mark right. yeah, let's you know. hit it I was but but that whole two weeks of shows we were doing that's, it was really great those those though like uh, uh, Dan Danzy and friends I went 10 extra minutes only because I was just like oh shit I'm already at 25 and yeah. I haven't even done this that yeah, leads up knew, into the closer. You kind of knew going up. You were you might be over a little bit because you told me when you came off. I forgot two jokes. I forgot two jokes, yeah. but like the the closer, it's very important that I do the charity jokes mm-hmm. somewhere in the set so I can bring about that closer, right, right? Right. Because it's all about charity getting into a pickle, and that's like the ultimate right, pickle. Right. And when I saw that, I had. I think I, I I looked up and I had two minutes, one minute, and I was like, "Oh fuck, I haven't done." So I did ten extra minutes just so I could boom get those stories out and then hit that closer and everything. Yeah. But I, I I was beating myself up about it. Cause no man, I, th- I, I and I talked to uh, talked to Billy afterwards. I said, "Hey man, sorry, I mm. you know ran the light a little bit." And he's like, "Don't worry, man, it'll just fucking work." Oh no, and and I just gotta say this: the comedy arena and the Addison Improv staff. What? Just man, I just if can't they say were if, for all of them. if there was like an award ceremony of the friendliest staff, it would just those two would be competing 
heavily. Yeah, they did. I mean, the they did an incredible job, and I'm really excited about October because I'm going to get to uh, host for Mikey B. Mikey B, friend, uh, friend of both of ours, and I just got done doing his podcast, the Open Mic Podcast. Yeah, check it out if you can. Uh, I, I believe he's, I mean, I don't know for sure, yeah, but he, I do believe he's going to bring you on at some point. Yeah, we've uh, we've talked about it. We just haven't been able. He's in Denton, mm-hmm. so that's a, well, a good 45-minute drive well, for him. You'll also have to tell him, like, no weed smoking during the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love going to. I love Did going he hot to hot box you a little bit, man. I that is probably only time. Like I just get fucking really hardcore stoned. I'm so comfortable there. <laughs> Can't do that with me, Mike. And it's it's part of the whole like experience. So we just like before before the podcast starts, I smoke a bowl or two with them. Like I'm a people don't know I'm a one hit wonder. I just need one hit and then You're I'm done. good. But when I'm doing the open mic podcast, I'm doing bowls. I'm like, I'd say it on stage, giraffe pussy high. <laughs> I am giraffe pussy high whenever I do that podcast. <laughs> if you haven't listened to it, go to the open mic podcast. Yeah, I believe it's on it Spotify, Apple. Uh, I have two uh, uh, episodes of them. And uh, in due time, Chris Germany is going to be on yeah, I'll there. I'll be on it eventually. Um, but I've been telling this to Misty. I think I got like two or three years left to stand up because, and it's nothing because like I hate stand up or anything. The anxiety, I either have to get on anti-anxiety medication, but I think that will take away from my performance because well, I'm working off of well, it. Well, or or you could just like I'll be honest with you, man. Just if if you'll if you'll increase your activity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like the body, well, the body when you exercise it. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, did you bring that DDP yoga, by I the way? I fucking forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I sent him a text. I and he still forgot it. I it's forgot. okay. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. I didn't, didn't wash my ass either today. So. I've got, well, that's what smells. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not like heavily or I'm not heavily obese or, or disabled. Well, wait, you'll ha- you'll, so I don't need. You'll have it when you get to the new house. Yeah. I don't need DDP yoga that badly, but well, you know. You know, you got to stay active. So mm-hmm. it, it will, the activity, constant activity will um, create your, your body will, uh, you know, disperse that that anxiety a little mm-hmm. bit better. I mean, for well, me. it's, it got to the point that Dan Danzi and friends, before I got up on stage, the room was spinning and I was like, Oh fuck. I don't even think I can make there's it a stage. Thousand, there's thousands of things that you can use breathing exercises. And, oh no, that's and, what I was doing. I was just breathing heavy. Yeah, man. And like, I didn't even notice. There's you, a couple books I'll turn you on to. That, I didn't even notice you kind of fucked up the intro there. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was voted uh, my co-host. Uh, oh, but I covered it, didn't I? <laughs> I, was like, I love how, but I, dude, it came out of my mouth. I was like, "What the what fuck, the fuck am, am I, I saying? saying? What am I saying?" Not only, not only, fucking dumbass voted, yeah. but also but voted I it. I my co-host. Like you held some kind of contest <laughs> to be on this podcast. Right. Listen, well, you were voted. Hey, three you voted by me. Two two hundred and uh, ten thousand plus downloads and all uh, three hundred listeners. I would hold a contest to be on this podcast. There you go. Yeah, I would hold a podcast. There so it makes sense. And by the way, thank you for 10,000 plus downloads. I was like, fuck, what was I thinking? (laughs) Have you ever had that happen where something comes out of your mouth and you're like, now I have to recover? Oh, all the time. All the time. What the fuck? Like, it came out of my mouth and, like, I wasn't even. I said, not not only was he voted one of the funniest comics in Texas, but he's also voted. And then there was this pause. Dude, that came out of my mouth (laughs) without. 
I was like, what the fuck did I just say? But it was weird. As soon as you said my name, the room stopped spinning. But, like, also, like, that whole day, I just, uh, it was like a crippling anxiety. It was just like this, oh, I need to sit down and, you know. So you got to think of that anxiety sometimes, especially when it comes to comedy. And once again, we've said it before, but if you're thinking about getting in comedy or you're new in comedy and you're listening to this podcast, be prepared for anxiety. Well, so, no, but, like, I've, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't. I think because I haven't done anything to this anxiety, I've always just worked off of it after 15 yeah, years. Yeah. I think it's just getting worse, and I need to have anti-anxiety medication. And if I, but I fear that if I do that, it will affect worst the thing for your body. Worse than alcohol. Anti-anxiety yeah, medication, Prozac. Yeah. yeah. Or, or I mean, I've or never Xanax done pills. Or I've never done pills. Yeah. I might. I think I tried Xanax one time. Horrible for your body. No, I tried Vicodin one time, and I had an allergic reaction to it, and almost That's killed killer. me. That's an opiate. Well, I had some type of reaction to it. There's a lot of people that cannot take opiates because of the way that it affects their digestive system. Yeah, this was like I went really pale, and I felt nauseous, yep. Yep. and uh, I almost had Stomach to be taken. Pains. Yeah. Yep. I had yeah, almost had to be taken. One of those people. You're one of those people that could never be a fucking opium <laughs> But the thing about Vicodin, I didn't care. Like, it was, it was like, all right, this is how it go. Fuck it. Yeah. And sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's uh, certain certain ones. Some people can take uh, uh, oxycodone or, or Vicodin, but they can't take, uh, like, uh, Tylenol 3. It has... Rush Limbaugh had yeah, an Oxycontin so, addiction. Yeah. A lot of There's a, lot a bunch, of, of, bunch of people out a there. A lot of people in that generation of Rush yeah. Limbaugh. And I'm not saying political bullshit or anything. I'm just right. using Rush Limbaugh as an example because he's the only one I could think of with the but like yeah, wasn't isn't there like a big epidemic of well, oxycontin? Mean, we, could go, we could go in and opiate abuse. Yeah, we could go into the I watched a documentary on the pill mill mm. uh debacle and unfortunately um in the documentary, it was stating that the company that actually invented that um, that pill for for pain relief mm. um, was actually behind the pill mills. Really? Yeah, it was. It was basically a way to sell pills. Yeah, you know. So it's it's. I mean, it, it can be horrible, but I understand anxieties. I mean, a lot of people just people deal with it on a daily basis. So. No, no, it's just, it's just getting worse. And Listen, uh, I get up to go to work. I'm not real happy about it myself. Is that <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, well, no, I'm happy to do comedy. I'm happy when, whenever someone puts me up on stage. But yeah, but it, it's the like that night at Dan Danzig and Friends. I hated the wait, even though everybody had eight minutes. I hated the wait, and I'm getting to that point where it's just like I just want to wake up and just be on stage. Can't we do can't this? Do at, can't we just do this at nine in the morning? Cannot do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I'll, we'll see. Barring some huge opportunity or some big thing to happen, maybe I'll go viral in a tweet. I don't know. So just just make it happen, Dan. That's what's... Well, I got my favorite job back, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to explore the possibilities of that and having a new house and everything. And got some exciting things going on in your life. Yeah, we're just going to see. And I've always been a person like that. Let's just see how where tomorrow takes us, you know? That's what you got to do. And if I wake up and it's just like comedy isn't in the cards, 
Maybe it's this podcast. Maybe it's even wrestling and becoming about doubling down, man. You got to double down. You know, maybe he's becoming a commentator in wrestling because that was that was fun when we did that for Fight yeah. TV, and I could totally see my see myself doing that on a regular occasion. Sure, because it was just so loose. I mean, I know I'm not going to be able to do the same thing we did for Fight TV because right. that event we were kind of. Lucy goosey Lucy-goosey because we had control, and, right. and that was our thing. Right. If I ever went to work for someone, I'm sure they would have notes that I would have to follow. But leading into that, I got to bring up this commentator for SmackDown. Uh, so I finally I checked out SmackDown. Uh, uh, we were recording this on a Saturday. So I checked out the, new, the SmackDown last night, Houston, Texas, finally in oh. front of a live crowd. And I will say... I, I during the pandemic I would check out WWE every now and then and just not be happy. They stepped up the writing in SmackDown. Good. They really did. Uh, but there's this commentator named Pat McAfee. He used to be an NFL punter. Right. Probably one of the most entertaining commentators I've ever seen. Oh, this shit. guy gets up out of his seat and and like he Shinsuke Nakamura came out. This guy got up on the announcer table, dancing to his music. Like it's a really Different type of commentator than I've ever seen, and it I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that there was someone just as excited. Well, I'll have to check that out. I yeah, mean, well, I mean, I could put it on after this podcast, and, and, but and I think that I think that too, like to see that, and I think that you know, I know that I lean towards the old school of what wrestling used to be constantly. Yeah, and I kind of come to the conclusion that as it evolves, like. Things there you like go. That are gonna as it, well, as it evolves. As it evolves. Like, we have to, like, I long for the good old days when everybody was a mark. But now that everybody's smart, like, I, I understand that things have to change. Mm-hmm. And that, that, and that, and I think maybe that leans towards the announcers too, when, you mm-hmm. know, not just the, the talent. Now, I still agree, and I'm still a hardcore, um, give it back to the boys kind yeah. of, you know i really believe that that they would uh get more out of the business as far as writing and angles and things of that nature if they would give a little bit more of the talent back to the boys mm-hmm. you know the the ability to kind of write and create their own characters and, absolutely and not just characters you know it was you know back in back in my day back in my day uh back in my day uh, it was, you know, back in my day, the boys died at 44. Right. And we were happy about it. We were happy. We were proud to die young. So, uh, you know, you just see that, uh, that it was, it was more, they were more, you know, you lived your gimmick. Absolutely. And, you know, and yeah, you're right. It killed a bunch of them. Well, I mean, I'm you joking know, around, did, but it I'm, did, but it you did, know, honestly, it did not yeah. Ric Flair. No. He's still living his gimmick. Yeah, he's still living. Yeah, I love it. I Props love to Rick. It. I love it. I mean, I would say Sting is still living his gimmick, you know? Well, yeah, but he was lucky enough to be able to take that face paint off. I mean, it took away his eyebrows, though. He sacrificed them eyebrows. Oh, I've not noticed. I mean, have you ever seen... You want to know why you, every time you see Steve Borden wearing... Uh, every time you see him without he's the makeup... Glasses. He's wearing a big pair of sunglasses. Because them, them eyebrows gone. <laughs> 30 years of putting on that the face paint. paint. Pulling that paint off. The eyebrows right? left. Jeez. <laughs> That's no fun. But you know about him, like, I never see a YouTube video about... It. No one has anything negative to say about that man. And I remember when, like, it was... I think he's worked on himself, though, and that's... Well, that's, you know, that's what's funny. You know? 
he left WCW because he had an alcohol problem, and he then that's when he became a born again Christian and everything. Right. But like nobody knew. Like everybody was like, "What? Sting's got a Sting's got a problem." He was the stinger. That's why Steve yeah. Steve Borden. But like even people he worked with was like, "What? Steve Borden's taking time off because he's yeah. a nobody noticed." He's what? just done everything correct in his wrestling career, except tag team with RoboCop in 1990. I don't think people that remember was, that. That was bad. Hey. Well, introducing the Shockmaster. That was Inju- well, I mean, that could have been a cool character had there not been a Stormtrooper yeah. helmet and a, yeah. you know, a yeah, botched. Yeah. yeah, if Jim Hurd hadn't had somebody put a two-by-four at the bottom of the... I think, you know who's to blame? Whoever said, hey, let's make him bust through the wall like the Kool-Aid man. Whoever had that idea. Uh, I think that's Uncle Fred. So, so yeah, SmackDown. You've heard that story. I think that's Uncle Fred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dusty Dusty Rhodes, uh, Uh, Cody Rhodes watching. Cody Rhodes will sit at home going, I think that was Uncle Fred. (laughs) I think you can find that video on YouTube. Cody Rhodes is telling that story. I heard Dusty tell it first. You heard Dusty heard tell it first? first. And Cody chimes in at eight years old, turns around to Dusty. Is that Uncle Fred? No, I think that's Dusty Uncle was Fred. at the shit. Dusty was yeah. at the shit. Dusty, it was Dusty's creation. Dusty had the shit. He, he turned to his mom and went, hey, I think that was Uncle Fred. <laughs> uh, but Pat McAfee is one of my, is one of my positive notes. Because he made me, he made me feel like it was a good event. Like it was a good event. The crowd definitely needs to be back in WWE. Right, right. it makes a difference. Um, um, but Pat McAfee made me excited as a fan. His enthusiasm, I was just like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm just as excited as this guy. Well, is. it's funny because you know, we the 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 last show that we did. With uh, you know, with the fight TV, mm-hmm. but the first show that you and I did together when we did the announcing, and I think it's probably I think it's a real reflection of, you know, like people should be excited. Yeah, like the way that you were excited when we first did the first show. Oh man, I was you were announcing. You were, a dream. You were excited. I, I've always wanted to be a part right. of a wrestling. So event. it was to see. I think that maybe uh, you know that's here's the problem. That's gen, that's. That um, what he did, being excited, was genuine. Mm-hmm. But my problem is, is when that being excited because it's genuine becomes put on, and you become a character of yourself. Well, he had been. But it's he'd excited been, that he's he's excited about the product. He, I, he, I've, I've looked up past footage of his commentary, and this is just what he does. They let him let loose and be excited, and he was doing it throughout the pandemic. And so I he was, was an ex kicker for the NFL, ex ex NFL uh, punter. Oh, yeah, and, and you know those guys—they got one job. God, they easy, rarely get easiest hurt. Easiest job in the NFL. It real. I mean, actually, it's skilled. But I'm saying, if you don't know how I'm to saying, corner kick, uh, yeah, if I'm, you don't know how to get that ball, it's definitely a, an incredible skill, and it's something that you have to practice for mm, years and years, just like everything. But else. he's he's rarely getting hurt because but if anybody yeah. hits him, a flag is thrown. Right. You know. And but it, and the, and the guy that nobody ever wants to see on the oh on on, on the field yeah if he's on the bench yeah, the team's are, doing yeah good. that's right if he's the longer on the bench, he's on nothing, the bench that's right mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a a, a double edged sword type of job yeah you know well it's but, it's awesome that he's excited about yeah know, he brings and, and personally it's probably one of the reasons he got hired I mean I think absolutely it it definitely brought this new energy now there are a couple of things. 
that I didn't like. Well, the main thing, well, one of them, they start the show with Vince's music hitting, right? Vince's music that he's had for 20 years. I'm glad he's kept that music. Money, 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 money. No, no, that's Shane McMahon. Oh, okay. Uh, Vince McMahon's music's the No Chance in Hell. Oh, that's right. Which is still banger after all these years. You still like, yeah, you fucking sing along to it. Vince came out, said, where the hell have y'all been? And literally just went back. And I was like, oh, that's Vince has a weird sense of humor. And that's his sense of humor. And I get it. But it's just like, I would have liked... Couldn't you have gotten something else out of him? I would have liked him to say that, but also thank you for sticking with us us. for a year and a half when we've put out probably the most terrible wrestling product. And I know there are some diehard WWE fans that disagree with me, but the pandemic really showed the flaws in the writing. And they really stepped up with this writing, but yeah, there's one and, thing and, they need to work on, and that's the matches. So that's so that, that's a that's a big question for me. Like, was that intentional? Were they not producing so good writing and saving their best? Maybe they were continuing to write top notch, but not using it. So top here's my writing, but not using it. Here's my theory, based on how I've seen wrestling work. You know. With the live shows that we we've gone to and everything, because SWE didn't do pandemic free or pandemic, right? You know, nobody in the crowd type of stuff. WWE is based on that crowd, what they react to. Sometimes WWE doesn't care, <laughs> Roman. Sometimes they do care, but it's all based on what the response is, and that's how they work their writing from there. Now AEW. It's not like they didn't... AEW had some bad segments, but AEW uh, lets the wrestlers have that creative freedom in the ring where WWE, it's a a road agent producing the match and it's a road agent scripting the match. And that's where I think WWE needs to just let go of that. No more uh, agents calling them in, all right, this spot, this spot, this spot. Have the wrestlers. Make it like Macho Man. Macho Man wrote out that whole match for him and Ricky Steamboat. Right. You know? And that's why it's a fantastic fucking match. You know? know? And, you know, back then, you could always make, uh, you know, you could always make adjustments. Yeah. You know, uh, that's, you know, that's the whole thing, you know, grabbing a hold. Grabbing a hold. You know, and you can always make an adjustment. Okay, well, uh, all right, we're like that's not working. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, this this SmackDown had great lead-ins to their matches. They had a big re-debut of Finn Balor coming back to the main roster, so Misty was happy. But it would just it would seem like the best part of the matches were what happened before and what happened after, and then you get to the match. And other than the, I mean, they still did. I don't know how many times I've seen the schoolboy pin roll up with the tights being held. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that finish every time I've checked out WWE. Well, and since about 1936. Yeah, but like WWE has been really doing that finish a lot. I, I believe it's what culture wrestling, they count, they've count. they counted how many times WWE does that on a weekly basis. Yeah, check out what culture wrestling they have videos on it. Ten thousand ways to cheat. Yeah, why do we have to keep doing the same? Yeah, how about not going to the well so much? So they need to work on their matches, and I think that's where AEW strengthened because AEW has let lets their wrestlers spot the match, and it brings and and 
a lot of old school wrestling fans don't like the the they call them spot monkeys. Yep. I do believe they don't like the type super kicks everywhere. Them. That's what we call them. Super kicks and hurricane ranas everywhere, but that's what the crowd enjoys. So people sitting at home were checking out AEW because the matches were better. So now AEW has progressed into a true alternative to WWE. So this is news. AEW dared. Ballsy move. Booked a show in New York, Arthur Ashe Stadium. And as far as it's looking right now, that's going to sell out at 30,000 people. Wow. Which is huge for AEW in the business sense of... that's huge regardless. It's huge, but what wrestling fans may not understand on why AEW did this to begin with, first, they wanted to see where they were at in as far as levels-wise. Can we go to other regions? So if you sell out a stadium with 30,000 people, it's a small stadium compared to, right. like, that's an arena-sized sure. stadium. Yeah, but now that's you, a large arena or a small stadium. You can go to somewhere like the American Airlines Center in Dallas that really doesn't trust the non-WWE wrestling product and go here we sold out arthur ash stadium you think uh, american airlines is uh, right around sixty thousand. yeah not counting uh well no i would say i would say uh american airlines center is probably like at thirty thousand. it's the same size as oh it might be it's the same might size be. as arthur ash stadium the reason arthur ash stadium is a stadium is because of how it's built right it's built like a stadium so you can walk over to Mark Cuban and say, well, look what we did in New York, right. WWE's flagship city. Yeah, they can take it. That gives them the ability to approach Go the to more actual places. arenas in large cities like American Airlines in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Or well, See, the old Reunion Arena only held like maybe 16. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's it, probably American Airlines probably somewhere around that. Uh, the old Texas Stadium is about 60,000. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I'm thinking of. Um, God, Texas Stadium was beautiful. Uh, what love. A, we used to call it the barn. Yeah. It's so goddamn hot. Oh, yeah. No, I can imagine that hole Jesus in the roof. Jesus Christ. But, like, I went there. No air conditioning. For, went there for a couple Dallas Cowboy games, and that was, like, one of the. Uh, yeah, and, the, you know, in the late fall, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you were sitting somewhere where the sun yeah, wasn't the on. Winter, you, or the winter, it's fine. Yeah. The winter's fine. Well, no, you didn't want to. Put a see, coat on. No, that's the thing. It, no, it's fine. History with the Cowboys. You didn't want to go to a Cowboy game in December. Yeah. You know, oh, no, it was no, a guaranteed no, no, L. No. <laughs> but uh, AEW is, is really proving itself as the alternative. It's doing something that hasn't been done since WCW. Well, let's, and they're, and let, they're building. Let's root for them and let's keep, you know, oh, this keep is, open. This that, is uh, a golden era for if, wrestling. I, I, think, I think it's definitely a, uh, when you say golden era, I think it's, Another defi- golden I think era. it's definitely a, um, it's a, it's it's a re, right now it's a rebuilding area era mm-hmm. so I think that it, which is the perfect time for for AEW to be in its transition mm-hmm. so you know and things are always going to change uh, notice that you and I had the conversation that that uh, WWE has uh, rehired some of the people that they let go uh, yeah they brought back Selena Vega they lost Aleister Black though. Alistair Black went to, AEW, went to AEW, 
they had only a pa- had a sixty day. Dude, they had a paperwork fuck up. Oh. Have we not talked about that on the? I think podcast? we did. We did, but not on the. Uh, what they had thirty day. Yeah, so they didn't upgrade his contract status, so he was still on an NXT clause that uh, was a no compete for thirty days. And I actually learned they called Buddy Murphy, who was on that list of uh, people that were released with Alistair Black. They called Buddy Murphy, thinking that it was his contract, so they knew somebody's contract status wasn't Somebody updated. Somebody was screwed up, right? But it was too late. AEW already had him, and now AEW is actually. Uh, Tony Khan was just like that night. The night, literally hours before Alistair Black, I, he, now he's Malachi Black, debuted. Tony Khan said, "We've got big surprises in store up to October, starting tonight." And now, what's being said is like, "Oh, if you thought Malachi Black was big, we got someone even bigger coming," That's which has led deal. the internet to believe that it's either Braun Strowman. Hence the big, right. or it's Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, whatever you want to call him, right. because uh, as as of now he has not re-signed with WWE. Hmm. So it, I mean, I call it a golden era in wrestling because I think this is the first time in wrestling that you actually have a juggernaut and territories. Well, it's and it's uh, it's it's exciting to see the challenges that. AEW has the ability to step up to to mm-hmm. challenge the big giant, mm-hmm. and, and regardless, it is a good time to be a wrestling fan because once one company steps up, yeah. the other company has no choice but to to step up themselves, mm-hmm. and so it, it, it creates good content. It's going to create good. Uh, also, I want to suck our own dicks here if we could. Okay, if we could. AEW. I'll do mine. You do yours. Okay. Okay. Well, no. Well, this is a both of us thing, and this encourages people to come check out the Counting Lights wrestling shows. Okay, because on AEW Dark they had uh, uh, Moonshine Mantel versus Lance Archer. Who's been on all three of our shows? All three of our shows. The first show that you booked at OHB. That match actually happened, title versus title. That's right. Moonshine was the Texas heavyweight champion, Mm -hmm. and fucking Chris here got the thumbs up to have the IWGP United States belt that Lance Archer was holding at the time Japan to also be on the line. If I remember correctly, uh, the match ended in a no contest. Damn shame. But now, next week, Lance Archer is fighting for that IWGP United States title against uh, uh, John Moxley in Dallas in a Texas death match. That's a big deal. But I think Chris should be booking AEW. (laughs) Well, if they they want a little help, just pick up the phone or text me or email me. You're ahead of them. Listen, I'm on their list for um, getting emails from them for upcoming events, but... You know, you guys uh, send me a. They're giving us press. Send emails. me an email, and um, I'll help you out with a couple of finishes if now, you need me to. Now I will be attending. Uh, uh, so this episode's coming out Monday. Uh, I will be attending the AEW Fighter Fest Dynamite Fighter Fest Night Two. It's in Garland, right? It's in Garland uh, at the same venue it was last time. Garland, except, Texas. Except now it's 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 sold out. It's absolutely sold out. What do you think? What do you think that? Uh, that place holds how many? Uh, oh, after being in there, probably twenty thousand. 
Really? At max? Be- nah, maybe 16. Maybe okay. 15, 16,000. Right. I know it's sold out. I haven't checked the number. But now we don't know if we can do this. I'm going to try to. We have a Counting Lights podcast. I have a pod- uh, I have the Counting Lights podcast sign that we use at the live events. I'm bringing that with me. We're going to have a contest. I don't know if I'm allowed to bring it in. So if you don't see it, you don't see it. Right. But if you do. But if you do and you screen grab it and you send it to us with your name and information, you'll win free tickets to our next Counting Lights wrestling show. There you go. I just... Hell, I'll, I'll give you tickets to the next uh, and comedy show. Next comedy event. You know what? We'll make it your cho- we'll make it your choice. Uh, Either yeah. free tickets to the comedy show. If you, if you send us a picture uh, and, and send it in, I'll give you both tickets. Mm-hmm. There you go. Oh, you want you want to? I was watching SmackDown, and they did have like this opening vignette of like the fans losing their shit when things happen. Right. And Misty's like, "What if they show you from TLC?" Did they? No. Would you like to know why? Why? Dean Ambrose was in the match. John Moxley in the match. Uh, and he's in AEW now. Yeah. Oh, the irony that I watch AEW now. And that's, <laughs> that's honestly, bad. though, that was the worst night of my life. <laughs> Being made fun of on Twitter. But, yeah, if you if you see the Counting Lights sign, screen cap it. The first one to send it to us in email, countinglightspodcast at gmail.com. You win free tickets. Hell, I'll do you one even better. I'm making this call right now without Chris's permission. You'll also get a free Counting Lights podcast t-shirt when we make those t-shirts. You will be the first one to get those t-shirts. All right, there Just you one go. t-shirt. I'm throwing down the gauntlet without Chris's permission. I'm going to go one even further. I'm going to go one even further. All right. You can wrestle in a Counting Lights wrestling show. No, I'm fucking with you. No, I can't do that. No, he's really fucking with you. Can't do that. There's so so much paperwork (laughs) we have to sign. Uh. Hope you enjoyed part one of this episode called The Alternative. Part two comes out Friday. Check us out on Twitter at Counting underscore Lights. Give us a follow. Look for us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Counting Lights Podcast, and give us a like and follow and email us with any questions you have, whether it's about comedy or wrestling at countinglightspodcast at gmail.com. We will answer it right here on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. See you guys Friday. This is the Counting Lights Podcast, where comedy and wrestling lock up.